Hello and welcome to the Unqualified Huddle. Well, that was a very exciting week of football that we've just had in week eight. We've enjoyed it. I'm here with Shamal. I'm here with Chanel. Here for the week's action. I'm very happy today, mainly because my Saints won. First like first time in a while. And the defence like came out. But anyway, maybe come back to that later. Probably won't. Sham, Shan, how are you two doing? I think I'm I'm in the phase where as a Jags fan, I think the first time you're hearing about Trevor Lawrence, is he the gonna ever be the guy? Um it's not the not the first no, time but it's the first time it. I think it's almost every week. Well, it's the first time. Well, I wouldn't say that, but it's the first time fans are realizing is middle way through second year. Jags fans, yeah, <laughs> I guess Jags fans are realizing midway through second year, like some of these are decision making, bad placement stuff that has been errors that has made earlier in the year, and that you see him again. But also, hey, it could be worse. You could be Kyler Murray. You could be still playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two right now. But in all fairness to Trevor Lawrence, he has had a change in coordinator. There are, you know, there are changes in Jacksonville. He, yeah. he will get time. And the thing is, he will get time because he's a, a an elite talent, according to draft predictors. And he Simon, still needs a number one receiver. Simon, this isn't, this isn't a, a place for a, a level-headed analysis. You've <laughs> given Sham ammunition that he will use every single week. Because I was watching the game with, in the same room as him. And he was putting that loss on the defence. He was saying that they don't need an number one receiver. It's the defense. They need a cornerback. No, no, that's, that's the reason. No, what? I did. The defense no, 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 is no, no, the no, no, reason no, no. they can barely put a point. No, I mean, what I'm saying is they need a cornerback one and they need a wide receiver one. <laughs> but if I'm drafting right now, cornerback one not... is a huge pressing concern. Like, well, we can talk well, about team, as, as we seem to seamlessly segue into this London game. The, um, the, two, the two interceptions <laughs> and Fumba. Um, were not on Trevor Lawrence. That, that was on the Jags' defense. Man. Yeah, <laughs> the, for me, the, the issue isn't so much with the defense. Obviously, they didn't have a great game against a, a very poor Denver Broncos offense. However, you know your offense didn't really get out of first gear. From what from what I saw the game, obviously I, I started watching the game late. Some I've only got a half of football to analyze. That the Jacksonville offense just kept stuttering. They relied on ETN to try and get them out of trouble, but the thing with ETN, he's a, he is a good-looking running back, but you can't just have ETN do everything. You need other pieces. And like what we talked about in the off-season, you went out, spent big money on Christian Kirk, spent big money on Zay Jones. Are these legit number one receivers? No, not in my opinion. They, yeah, they they're... Can't, they're a team that can't battle adversity. After that goal-line pick, they never recovered on offense. And before that, they were moving it. They, they need to do exactly what um, they've done around Tua, give him a, a great number, or they've given him a two, two great number one receivers. They've given uh, Joe Burrow essentially two number one receivers. Uh, they've given Jalen Hurts a number one receiver. Listen, listen, That's what listen, they need to do. Listen to Shannon, just his whole tune changed about a Hollywood Brown. <laughs> All it took was like a few weeks of like good, good play from him. And he's like, yeah, we've got two legit number one receivers now. It was a great trade. <laughs> I, I didn't even mention the Cardinals there, but thank you for bringing the Cardinals. You did because you no, said he mentioned, he mentioned Miami Dolphins. He mentioned Tua. Oh, did he? I thought he said. Yeah, Cardinals. but, but, but you're but you're right. Kyler's got Nuke and, and Hollywood now. One one <laughs> on the field would be great. But um, one word on the Denver Broncos. I don't know why everyone's all riding with the Denver Broncos now because the Jags flattered the Broncos. The, oh, the Broncos. They were they were saying that Russell Wilson's in in the flow now. And he, to me, he never was. 
There no. were a couple of drives where, where they did all right, and that was it. There's a no-huddle stuff that worked for him really well, which has been the issues with the Jabs all year. Well, and, and also he's he's relying on unknown like a tight end that's in his first year. His name I don't remember. And other like Dolchich, Dolchich, thank you. And uh, you know his premier wide receivers, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, not really getting on the scoreboard, not really helping him out. And that's that's an issue because they're they're your playmakers, because they're your premium players. You're not getting them involved in other games. It, it's not going to work when you play against better defenses, which you certainly will. It's not going to work. You know, Wilson still has a lot of uh, issues and a lot of changes. And I think Nathaniel Hackett might just eke out to the end of the year. But if the offense doesn't start looking better, I don't see him lasting much longer than that. But let's move on because I'm I'm not interested in this game. Not really. <laughs> I'm more interested in Channel's team and what happened in Minnesota. Because um, for me, that was that was an interesting matchup. Like. Arizona actually showed something for me. Like they, they started showing that they've got a little bit of life in them. Yeah, Hopkins turned, you know, rolled rolled back the clock. He was the Hopkins that we know. Um, Ertz had a great touchdown. Kylie Murray did some great plays, and the defense as well. They were they were all over Minnesota at times. But the issue I have is that they're so inconsistent. They're mm. the mis- mistake prone. And yeah. uh, that was the difference. Um, I didn't like the call from Cliff Kingsbury going for two points in the third quarter. I know there will be coached to do that, but there were eight points down. If you don't go for two point and miss, it's only seven point game. There's a different different vibe when it's only seven points. Yeah, for sure. Like you still feel like you're in the game when when you've got to get eight points back. You can only draw at that point as well. You can't go for it and, and sneak the lead. So that that sort of changes things. Um, the like the real issue that you still have though with this Cardinals team is that your running game doesn't mm. work. Like your offense was one dimensional, which was I'm gonna fr- have Kyler Murray throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and let DeAndre Hopkins just absolutely moss people and absolutely like show that he is one of the elite receivers in the league. It's 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 just with the stats, right? Like it looks great on the stat sheet what Hopkins does. Even Rondell Moore on the stat sheet had a great day, but you need a balanced offense, especially when you've got an explosive Vikings offense, which yeah. they're, they're still the Vikings, they're still led by Kirk Cousins, but they're explosive. But yeah, it, I mean, like, you look at, I think, Simon, you've been mentioning it even last year, the end of last year, about off-script and scripted plays to make life easier for Kyler Murray. They don't do it enough. They don't no. script plans, easy plays, you know, short yards, give, like, a rhythm. There's no rhythm when you watch them. Well, it, and there's lack of, like you said, running back talent. They don't actually have many weapons who are going to play, play in, play out. D Hop since has returned in his two weeks, 22 catches first in the NFL, 262 yards first in the NFL, 13 first downs and touchdown receptions first in the NFL, according to PFF. Like it, that's what they needed, but then they just don't have that consistency. The, the Yeah, I mean, the issue is, we we talked about it in previous podcasts, this playbook is very much, like, it's very static. Like, the, the quarterback stands in the pocket, the receivers get to certain points on the field, and that's when the ball's released. There's no real flow, there's no real movement. One of Kyler's greatest attributes is the fact that he is actually quite an athletic playmaker, he can run around a little bit. I never really see that involved in a in an Arizona like offensive game plan. I never see, really see those throws where it's like he's rolling out to the right. I mean, he scrambled a little bit this game, but it's, it's not the same for me as 
you know, him being given an opportunity to use his athleticism to get out of the pocket and whatnot. But just on the flip of this, um, this Vikings offense did look very potent. Um, I, I was complaining mainly because Jefferson's in my fantasy team that Kirk Cousins hate him because he, he wasn't targeting him. But then as soon as I said that, he, he threw the ball at him about three times in a row. So then <laughs> I look like a, I look stupid. <laughs> a bit greedy, but um, he has been a bit underwhelming. And I say that with the full expectation that he, with the talent that he has, he should be up there leading the league uh, with Tyreek Hill in receiving yards. He's hey, that what, good of a talent. Hey, what it, can you do when your quarterback is still Kirk Cousins? Yeah, I think that's the real issue. Because, you know, only six, uh, eight targets yesterday, which, you know, it sounds like it is a nice uh, like amount, but then six receptions, 98 yards, still a, it's still a decent game. It's just that, I don't know, it's just so inconsistent. But, you know, Dalvin Cook had a good game, and I think that's a big difference for the Vikings. So, like, they've not had that this year. No, is that, is that what is strong? A couple of good games now. 111 yards rushing of 20 carries is in a, the touchdown. Obviously, Madison, um not as involved as he was last week, I don't think. But then the, I think the other side of the Vikings is they recovered that muff punt and took advantage of it. Usually, it's the Vikings making those mistakes. And my thought, Patrick Peterson, I've said it obviously to you guys before this call. Steve Kime still gives it, needs to give him that ring, telling him it's been cut. Like, talk to the guy because Patrick Peterson is rolling back the years. He's looked phenomenal. And even in this game, he had a chip on his shoulder. He looked really good. Another player, another former card last year, Jordan Hicks, now Vikings starting linebacker, looked good as well. Kime's yeah. really got to feel that pressure, even though he just signed a new contract. Well, it, it just goes to show you, though, that the Cardinals GM, Steve Kime, make some bad choices. He can't um, manage people, though. No. Because even Josh Rosen, yeah, he he was done dirty. Um, that, that's who I think of as well. Josh Rosen, Patrick Peterson, um, Jordan Hicks as well, wasn't happy with how Kime dealt with him. And I'm surprised Kime has lasted this long. You, you might not like Cliff Kingsbury. You might think he's holding the cards back. But the drafts and free agency decisions under Kime, yes, he, he brought in um JJ Watt who was great uh, especially his first year but he also let Chandler Jones walk yeah th- there's been some questionable decisions but anyway let's let's move on we've talked about this uh, long enough we've talked about these teams let's move on and talk to Chanel about his guy who got traded to San Francisco and yesterday looked absolutely phenomenal for them in another uh, NFC West divisional matchup against the Rams this San Francisco team looked Awesome with McCaffrey rolling, right? They would not have won this game without McCaffrey. And I, I'm not even exaggerating that because he made the play. I think it was the receiving touchdown. I think they were still down at this point. The receiving touchdown, if you watched it, the route was in the flat. He was staying in the flat. He noticed that Garoppolo had nowhere to throw the ball, sprinted down the sideline. Garoppolo saw him and dropped a dime in the end zone. And that changed the game around. He had a passing touchdown receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, only the third player, I think, the NFL since the NFL merger since to do that. Um Ladanian Tomlinson being one, Walter Payton doing one, uh before. And he was the difference. And we were discussing this on the podcast, saying that, you know, have they made a mistake giving all this up for a running back? Because if Carl Shanahan can do one thing is make running backs look good. I, I, you know what, I still stand by it a little bit. However, I will say, you know, I have some I, shame. 
I, I, well, I, no, agree. No, no. I agree that McCaffrey had a great game yesterday. Don't get me wrong. Like McCaffrey was the best player on the field by far. They're not winning without him. You, you're very hot. This is a very hot take type uh, things you're saying. I, I, don't, I don't think it is. Even Debo Samuel um, went to the GM it, and was Debo, like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, like, and you know, they can see that Christian McCaffrey is a great player and he is an upgrade over what they've currently got at running back for sure. Like that, this isn't the argument that we're all making here. Like the argument isn't that. The argument is, was it a, like too much to give up for one running back? And I still stand with, by with it. their other needs. With their like, other needs, take yeah. The line, yeah. However, you know, like you said yesterday, they had a an amazing game. Uh, McCaffrey absolutely dominated um, all aspects of the field. Another guy who didn't get a lot of love last year, but has started to really shine this year. Brandon Ayuk, he had a great game as well. He looked really good for them. Kittle started to get a little bit more involved now, which I think helps their offense as well. Obviously, while he's been injured and not been there, he's not been, you know, they've not been able to, to use him. And I really think that adds another dimension to them, which they have sorely missed. Yeah, I, I also like to think um, the Rams did not play good football here. And no. it's, it's a lingering thought we've had for weeks that they're not playing that well. And usually they want to be, they're a team that want to get active in the trade deadline which is pretty much tomorrow over this Monday recording, I don't think they should be buyers. I think they're a team that don't have enough picks, and I don't think they're going to be able to get out of this division. When you look at what Seattle's doing and building, and you look at how easily the 49ers handled the Rams, I thought the 49ers weren't even sweating at any point in this game, well, even I, though I, at halftime they were trading. I think, I think the problem with the, with the Rams is they're a top-heavy roster um, where... They have a lot of like starting talent, although uh, some guys aren't showing up this year. But they have a lot of starting talent. But then outside of after that, the depth—that's where the quality lacks off. Well, so top heavy. Well, speaking of, of not having depth, when you're three scores down with uh, a minute left on the clock, take, you draw take. a play to your star receiver yeah. risking an injury, and we don't know what the diagnosis is on on Cooper Cup is having. Having scans on uh, done on his ankle, they believe he's done his ankle in. That, um, that, that was just silly. That what are you doing? Yeah. He's not padding. Game is dead. The game is dead. You just let it go. Like, move on to next week. Stay healthy. Move on to next week. It's, it's, it's like what you do in, in fancy football uh, in Madden. Like, you're, you're losing, but you've got a receiver who you just like. You, you're going to throw the ball to him regardless of what happens. Yeah, I, that's what I felt like doing the game. Why was there a need to get him the ball? What are you actually trying to get? I think it's the, he wants him to get the most receptions in a season type start he's aiming for. But There's no, no need at that he's point. No, he's, nowhere, he's, he's nowhere close at that point, though. Like He's nowhere close right now, and he's injured, which is going to hurt his like production as well. The, the real issue with the Rams, though, like the passing offense hasn't been amazing. Obviously, it's all Cooper Cup, but it's their rush offense that's been sorely lacking. Obviously, they're not a great rushing team. They never have been. Part of the problem is that they always play out of like three wide receiver sets. They never really put extra blockers in, just the single tight end. And it's normally a receiving tight end like Higby. It's never normally like a big blocker. So you, then you rely on your offensive line to make the blocks for your running backs. They're not having that this year. Like you look at their running back productions from like yesterday's game. Um, Ron Rivers, whoever that is, had eight carries for 21 yards. Daryl Henderson, four carries for 16 yards. He Malcolm hates Brown. Henderson. <laughs> Malcolm Brown, five carries for 10 yards. I mean, that's horrific, like, when you look at it. 
and Cooper Cup had two carries. Why are you getting your premier wide receiver running the ball for you? I know it worked for San Francisco, but Cooper Cup is not a Debo Samuel type player. He is a receiving, like he is a route running, receiving wide receiver. He can get him open. He can get open downfield. Uh, uh, this Rams team for me are just lost. Just talentless, I would say. And Matt Stafford's had a bad year anyway. Odell Beckham. It's all right. Odell's going to join in. No, well, to be honest, to be honest, I think it's going Buffalo. They've it, seen enough from this Rams team. To be honest, yeah. if I'm Odell, I don't sign for the Rams. If I want to win, I don't sign for the Rams. If I want to yeah, live comfortable, sign for Buffalo. I sign for the Rams. Yeah. Well, if you want to win, sign for Buffalo right now. Let's move on anyway. Let's talk about the the last team in this NFC West, which is an interesting division right now. The Seattle Seahawks that just knocked off the uh, ascending New York Giants. Um, they looked really good. Geno Smith, obviously, we talked about it's looked really good. Their their offense is still rolling, but what what's really starting to stand out now and really starting to show it's like that they that they've built well is their defense. I feel I feel the defense is part of why they're winning these games, not just an offensive like performance. Uh, and it's all done from coaching players up, really, because you know at the start of the year, if you'd have told me some of these players that are playing for the, the Seahawks would would be playing at this level, I'd have laughed at you. Yeah, their their defense. I mean, let let's uh, calm the Jets down a bit. It was it was Daniel Jones, um, but uh, <laughs> their their defense. The secondary in particular, I'm really impressed with. They're, they're not the Legion of Boom by any stretch yet, but um, they're, they're making a name for themselves. For but sure. I'm, I'm just impressed with this offense every week. Like Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, he, he had a couple of uncharacteristic errors, which nearly cost them. He made up for it near the end of the game. But I'm just impressed with almost every single player on offense. And <laughs> we've, we've talked about Ken Walker for two weeks running now, and for, and for the right reasons. But the the most wow play, well, top three, there were a few, few wow plays. But the run by Ken Walker near the end of the game to ice the game with That's a touchdown yeah. was absolutely insane. And, and, uh, and Gino's deep passes have been great. Like, Lockett dropped one, hit him right in the face mask. Pete Carroll went up to him, said a few words to encourage him, I imagine. Same with Gino Smith. And they went back on it after where he got the touchdown. What stands out to me is this quote in this game. By Tyler Lockett at the end of the game, he said, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one cares who gets the credit. <laughs> now, <laughs> I believe that is a shot to Russell Wilson. That's, that's a full shot at Russell Wilson, which is <laughs> it's a fair comment. <laughs> but it tells you what players around the league think. Apparently they defended it saying it wasn't Russell. Yeah, wow. but it's great to say that, but then what is it? Who is it defending? Because Geno Smith has been very unselfish since he's got there. And you've seen what Russell Wilson's been like. He's been throwing his own, own teammates on the bus. Well, not not only that, uh, DK Metcalf called out Russell Wilson and Geno Smith last year, saying that Geno Smith yeah. was a better callback in Seattle. Yeah, he, he says it gives him a chance. Yep. So, yes, Geno Smith probably is looking better than uh, Russell Wilson, especially at the minute how they're playing. And it just shows you that Pete Carroll, one of the smartest guys in football, it seems. You know, trade... <laughs> not just one of them, probably just mine. <laughs> Trading away Russell Wilson, <laughs> knowing that he still has his guy in the building. He, he was fine. He was fine with trading away. And he's getting a haul of picks as well for it. Smart man. Oh, and the first in the division. Yeah. Like, I thought they'll be picking um, top five. Right. We, we, could so go back, we could go back to the preseason and we're talking about this talent deficient 
like poor Seahawks yeah. team that aren't going to do anything in the division. Going to come It's time to last. move on. But yeah. they've done a something they did in the past where they nailed that you know that draft class and after, uh, where they got Richard Sherman and so on. Their yeah. their rookie class has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And it starts with Tariq Woolen and Kenneth Walker. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let, you know, let's flip it though and talk about the Giants team. I think. That this just showed you one of the problems with the Giants team, though. They can't play from behind. They can't. They can't win a game like that. The plan A went out the window. Saquon um, Barkley was like held down. They couldn't use him. Couldn't get the running game going. That was it. They didn't have a plan B. But it was a close game. They still. They still had ample opportunities to keep running it because the the passing game wasn't working. Slayton was their number one receiver on the day. We know Galladay ain't the guy anymore. Tony's out. He's in Kansas City. Well, Galladay's not even on the stat sheet, so <laughs> that says it all. Yeah, Wandale Robinson, who we thought was coming into his own the last two weeks, um, suddenly disappeared. I think he had one catch, maybe? Two two catches for 15 yards. Two catches for 15 yards. Um, and in, in a game where they needed a spark, if they didn't have Barkley... They don't have anyone. They, they don't have anything. This is this is the issue with this Giants team, and that's why you know the talk was that they were overachieving so far because their defense has been good, and the defense with Martindale, um, <laughs> he he has been known to coach up defenses, and he's doing it again in in New York. The the issue has been on the offensive side, where outside of Saquon Barkley, they don't have any of their star players. Yeah, but we said uh, Dayball's coach of the year by far, running away with it. And they've been relying on Dable out coaching other teams, but mm. Pete Carroll is a dark horse for coach, coach of the year. Ah, Pete Carroll's right up there right now. And Pete I, right I Seahawks out coached them because they they shut them down completely. And I don't want to say it's just coaching because this roster is underrated right now. They I mean, the good. Giants has, Giants went into this six and one, which was way higher than it should have been. They're now six and two, which is still better than anyone would have predicted. Um, so maybe tough division, falling, yeah, tough division. Maybe it's, they're going to fall down to earth a bit more. Well, let, let's just quickly move on to probably one of the most exciting games of the weekend. Um, no one would believe it, but Carolina, Atlanta, <laughs> um, PJ Walker season, hey? Well, PJ Walker, uh, that that touchdown to DJ Moore at the end of the game, that six touchdown, that was insane. Baker's not throwing that, is he? No. No, it it just shows you again, like like what we talked about before. That the NFL's evolved. There's, you need a different type of quarterback. PJ Walker is more the type of quarterback you need than what Baker Mayfield is. <laughs> the the prototypical NFL quarterback. He is you heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, like, XFL was great for something, and PJ Walker's one of those reasons. Well, it it just sort of shows you that you know you need to be more mobile because if if Baker Mayfield was in that, like you say, he probably didn't have the arm strength to get it. That distance, but also he wouldn't have been able to avoid the pressure that um, Walker was under before uncorking that throw. Yeah, you, in in the week where we saw Derek Carr, um, the statue of Derek Carr, just, <laughs> you know, struggle against the New Orleans Saints. Uh, but yeah, that that touchdown was as money as you can get. I have an issue with the penalty. Like he was outside. That that penalty cost them the game, right? Like, I mean, you you, no, should, no. you, you should be kicking it through. No. But that he took his helmet off. When he was off the pitch, what's my, wrong with that? 
yeah, I, I do get I do get what you're saying with it, and you know it probably did seem a little bit harsh because especially because normally when there's a foul like a taunting or whatever, it's normally enforced on the kickoff. It's not normally enforced on yeah. the point action, and that that was a bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know that you could actually do that because normally it's just they put it. Because why wouldn't you do that more regularly? Why wouldn't you say, oh, there's, there's a penalty, we'll we'll put it on the that rather than the kickoff? Because surely you want the kickoff to be. They were sure, like, we no. want some overtime, you know, <laughs> to get that revenue. But, but let, let, let's not let's be honest though. Yes, you know, the penalty did did hurt them, but then also they got the ball in overtime from an interception thrown by Mariota. They got the ball, they got it down to I think it was like the twenty-two yard line, and then again they missed the field mm-hmm. goal to win the game in overtime. This, this I mean, is on this is on Pinero, the kicker. And Pinero's job is probably on the line soon. With like it only takes one bad performance in the NFL for kickers who aren't um solidified themselves what? with their teams. One bad performance. This is a guy that's been bounced around from team to team, constantly missing to, like I I don't get why he's still what like in the league. I don't I get why he's strong leg, like. I guess. It's, and it's this game was critical. It was the, for the division league. <laughs> and because of it, Carolina are now at the bottom of the division but, where they could have been first. Yeah, Atlanta in the driving seat of the division. But like the, the Panthers offense did have a bit more spark though. It had a bit more juice with PJ Walker at the helm. And again, Dante Foreman looked phenomenal in his role as the lead back for them. Obviously, Tuba Hubbard will still come in and get carries, but Foreman sharing that like Denver probably should have kept him, right? I mean, a lot of teams could have kept him, Houston being one of them. I mean, well, I, I wouldn't talk about carpets. Because the week where Kyle Pitts goes off, I mean, he didn't really go off. I mean, but for this is Kyle Pitts we're talking about. He's, he's not, he's not Kelsey numbers. Uh, but in the week where he has at least a spark of life, uh, the Falcons and, and end up losing. All these fantasy football people saying you need to feed, feed Kyle Pitts. This is what happened. Well, you say feed him five receptions for eighty yards. It's not, a, it's not being fed for Kyle Pitts. This is like a. <laughs> I mean, what did he, he, what was, he expect he when you got Mar- Marcus Mariota as your quarterbacks, uh, quarterback and you got Arthur, Arthur Smith's offense? And we know what Arthur Smith's offense is. He doesn't need any receivers to run or weapons on the outside to run his scheme. It's just give him a, a bulldozing type running back and a good O-line. And he's trying to recreate Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. In all fairness, Carpets was the most targeted like receiver on the Falcons yesterday. So, I mean, that's that's something at least. But then Drake London, who had a great start of the year, has just disappeared off the like face of a cliff. And mm. um, not getting him involved anymore, which that surprises me. But still, this, this Falcons team, we talk about coaching up a, a squad like Brian Dable's done it in, in uh, New York. Pete Cowell's done it in Seattle. Has Arthur Smith not done it as well in Atlanta? Seeing it's the start of the year, they're talking about like you know guys who come from playing lacrosse, playing wide receiver for them, and you know their defense being uh, pants. But now they they are in every game, and arguably they should be five and three because that game at Tampa, questionable call that cost them the game. They should be five and three, and they're actually looking mm-hmm. better than what you know everyone gave them credit for at the start of the year, right? Yeah, definitely. 100%. I mean, this division is um, still a wide open. Any team can win. And especially with Shaq Barrett now out for the year, basically with his torn Achilles for Tampa, that's a big, big, big pain. Tampa's just in a mess. (laughs) Um, 
All right, we'll, we'll go to one more game before we'll end it, I think. We'll do our qualified player, sorry. I'll let uh, Shamal decide where we're going, though. Oh, really? Is that, is that how it is? That's how it is. thrown me in there. Throwing um, to the wolves. What do you think of the Bills-Packers result? I uh, don't think anything of it. Like They are who we thought, thought they were. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I'm thinking more with this division of the Packers. Like, is but, this the end of but, the dominant Packers? Well, yeah, I think so. I think it's for two reasons. One, their personnel situation there is not great. Their receiving core is not, not ideal. Um, just because they're not probably playing up to the standard of what they're used to. But also, I think Aaron Rodgers has lost a step. Like Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback he was a year or two ago. I know. Whoa, it's like, whoa. Oh, yeah. three three weeks running. Sham's been saying that he is still still the MVP. It's, it's <laughs> hey, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I, not, I don't I'm not think Shambo. it's a quarterback issue. I'm not I don't think it's a quarterback issue. But then I I think. But he's lost a step. I I agree. He's lost a step. I think you're wrong. He's not, he's not the guy that he was. And I feel you take away Devontae Adams, who is arguably one of the best or the best receiver in the NFL from him. You don't replace that talent. So now he's talentless on the outside, doesn't have great receivers there. He doesn't have like an, an outstanding tight end. Like Tonyan's Tonyan. He's not an outstanding tight end though. The running game, they try to use it a little bit more with Aaron Jones and the... The other guy whose name I forget. AJ Thank you. They uh, they try and get the running game going a little bit more, but again, it's just not working. And part of that's as well offensive line issues. They're not healthy. What, but who's who finishes ahead in this division? The Chicago Bears or the Green Bay Packers? Uh, it's not even close. The Bears have shown some um, fight recently, but three and five, aren't they? Yeah, but it's the most undeserved three and five I've seen <laughs> in a while. That, yeah, I, I, you know, it's hard to say for me. I, I wouldn't say that the Bears, like, what world are we living in where the Bears finish above the Packers with this Bears team, which we all said was the worst team in football, like, not so long ago. The, like, the Jets are giving them a run for their money. The Jets are not giving, the Jets are a good team. They just have a bad quarterback. Um, Did you but, see that pick? Yeah, I just need to mention that pick by Zach Wilson. Um, listen, I don't want to turn the ball that, away. That, that was on the money. <laughs> I th- I don't want to talk oh, about this Jets Patriots game. The, I I have I have said for about three weeks now, and I'll continue saying until Robert Sala decides to listen to me. Play Joe Flacco. Stop playing Zach Wilson. They said that they want to compete. They say they want to get to the playoffs. They want to be at least be in contention for it. You won't get there with Zach Wilson throwing to the other team. Do you reckon they trade Elijah Moore then? Because no. Elijah Moore was asked. No. What do you reckon no. of your chemistry no. with Zach Wilson? He was like, I don't know. Um, he doesn't throw me the ball, basically. <laughs> They're more so... likely to trade Zach Wilson than Elijah Moore. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my thoughts and feelings on it. Especially seeing, like, they, like, the Jets are a team that seem to be trying to do something, though. Because otherwise, why would you trade? I know it wasn't a lot, but why would you trade for James Robinson if you weren't going to try and, you know, make a playoff push this year? You, you just he wouldn't. had five carries, by the way. My yeah, first week back. First week back, though, you can't. And he had an injury, like you said. So you know they're not going to rush him in. But do you know what I mean, though? Like, why would you make that trade if you then aren't going to try and push for a playoff? And you can't do that with Zach Wilson throwing to the other team. In so this the, is a... New, the New York media will eat them up if they bench Zach Wilson. And as much as I hate it, a lot of coaching decisions are due to optics, which. Uh, with Salah being a relatively new head coach, you don't have. I mean, the, the New York media. No, the New York media doesn't think Zach Wilson's good enough. 
If you've been following the media, and they, they think Zach, him out. And they think Joe Flacco is the guy. No, they no. think Zach Wilson is definitely not the guy. Jo- Listen, Joe... Joe Flacco isn't a guy that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl like, like, not like. What, what do you do? What do you do? You put Joe Flacco in, he throws yeah. a couple of picks in a game, and, and you lose the game. Uh, what do you do then? You stick with Joe Flacco for the rest of the year? Or do you find out what you have with Zach? I know uh, sticking with Zach Wilson means you're not doing anything, but you need to figure out if he's the guy. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. But also, you can like have Zach Wilson sit and learn and get more experience, like just practicing getting more used to it because I feel this is a lot of it's inexperience with what's happening here so you can do that while you play Joe Flacco and potentially go to a playoff game because you've got a quarterback that is throwing as I said for well as I said off the podcast he, the first three weeks of the Jets this season he threw for 300 yards so Joe this... Flacco throwing for 300 yards with this quality receiving core who Zach Wilson has no rapport with this is silly picks with Zach Wilson he threw for 355 yards but the, they've essentially, with this loss with the Patriots, they've allowed the Patriots back in to compete with them. The Patriots are now 4-4. Four and four. And don't forget, Matt Jones didn't have a great game by any stretch of the imagination. But they're 4-4. Four and four. The Jets are now 5-3. and three. They're competing. They are competing. And I, and I feel it's, it's the Jets that have let them back in. But, it, you know, it's down to the coaches. Obviously, my thoughts and feelings have been said quite, quite a lot. They should bench Zach Wilson and put Joe Flacco back in. And let's let's leave it there and just quickly say Philadelphia are likely to go 17 and 0. Let's leave that there. <laughs> I won't hear any arguments against that. And we'll move on to our our, our, our qualified players of the week. Um, I'll start this week. Um, I will go to the Dallas Cowboys, partly because the guys in my fantasy squad, and partly because I keep saying they should play him over Ezekiel Elliott. But Tony Pollard had a great game. Uh, 14 carries, 131 yards, three touchdowns, and a reception for 16 yards. He's he's proving that he's more than just this change of pace back, which we keep saying. But not according, not according to Jerry Jones, because he has come out and said that Zeke is the lifeblood of of the team. That yeah, the team will go as he goes. Zeke offers more in pass protection, and in I, I believe I don't know the exact words. But I'm pretty sure he was saying that Zeke offers a big, more better big playability as well. Yeah, he just said he's basically said those words right uh, Jerry, today. Jerry Jones doesn't know football. <laughs> Jerry Jerry Jones does not know football. It, it's like what we said. What they've done is they gave Zeke a massive contract, and now they're trying to. It's the same as Shamil and Travis Etienne and his first round draft pick that they've used on him. Shamil constantly <laughs> talks about how good Etienne is because the Jags spent a first round on him. He doesn't want to admit he's just an okay back. It's, it's like you can't compare ETN's amazing play this week and then bring up the awfulness the, that is. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm in this scenario, you're Jerry Jones. That's all I'm saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, uh, the Steelers, by contrast, they're realizing that Najee maybe not might not be the you know three down back, and they're getting Jalen Warren mixed in. Which I mean, the Najee Harry need to improve Tony Pollard's workload. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, Sean. Najee Harris looks like Trent Richardson. Yeah, Najee Harris does not look good. Anyway, move on. Let's come on. We've, we've got places to be, guys. Let's uh, let's do Shamil's qualified player of the week. All right, Derek Henry. Need I say more? Two hundred and nineteen yards, two touchdowns again against the Houston Texans in a game where Malik Willis was their quarterback, and he only completed six of ten for fifty-five yards and an interception. In yeah, the, the Titans in... still won. 
in the second it's... half, they didn't ask him to throw though. I think he threw one pass the whole second half. And they could still win with ease. What you like Houston knew what was coming and couldn't stop it. Derek Henry, this is the time of year where he usually gets going. This is where Tennessee usually start firing. They're five and two. And th- this is when they start becoming dangerous. Trade deadline. Let's see what they do in the on the O line. But um all the perimeter. But I, I think they're a team that this is their identity. We've said it a few weeks in a row now. They'll carry on going and Derek Henry's like the star, superstar. Yeah, I, I agree. But there's no QB controversy there. Let's just And also Derek Henry is not slowing down. Regards to what people have said on this podcast previously, <laughs> he's still the king. Hey, 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 hey. You know, uh, he he still has lost the step, but you know, that's fine. You can't say that after 219 yards. <laughs> it's against the Houston Texans. And they only, run, they only run the ball. Houston. Um, they only run the ball. They right. don't throw the ball. I would be, I was going to go from another running back to another running back to another running back in Christian McCaffrey, but we've already talked about him. My qualified player this week is going to be Scary Terry on Halloween, we're recording it. Um, in his city, as he was saying, he had a great catch. Taylor Heineke, underrated two-minute offense, uh, throws it up on top of Stephen Gilmore. Uh, Terry McLaurin snags it in, sets them up, sets them up for the winning uh, points. And he finished the day with six catches on eight targets for 113 yards. Yeah, Terry uh, is just a better player with Taylor Heineke than he is with Carson Wentz. Ah, couldn't have said it better myself. This is, should also show Washington who their better quarterback is. Free Terry. <laughs> anyway, right, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll leave the podcast there for now. But we will be back again on Thursday or Friday, whenever we get the podcast out, to review the week nine games. Oh, preview the week nine games. Oh, not preview in there. Preview the week nine games. So maybe, long... maybe maybe review some trades as well. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long week, all right, guys. It's been a long week. It's only Monday, but it's been a long week. Trust me. Um, on that note, see ya. Peace. Bye.